0: For the did he get it?
1: Yes, so he did. You're listening to the One Podcast. Hello and welcome to another episode of the One Pridecast. I'm Tori Petri, your host for this official Lions podcast. We are back in Allen Park now after a busy week in Indianapolis for the NFL Scouting Combine. We were there from Tuesday until Sunday night covering all of the action from coach and GM press conferences to player press conferences to drills that happened on the field. And there is so much to take away from Combine Week. If you want to catch up with anything that we covered in Indianapolis, there's so much content on DetroitLions.com from our Road to the Draft Combine shows to articles from Tim and Mike and videos from myself as well. Anything that you want from the Combine, you can probably find it right there on DetroitLions.com. We're going to talk Combine on today's podcast, but it's a little bit of an interesting perspective because we're getting some insight from Lions Director of Player Personnel Lance Newmark about how the scouting process unfolds. At the Combine, we talked to VP of player personnel, Kyle O'Brien, while we were at the Combine. You can watch that video on DetroitLions.com. And he gave us some insight on site of the Combine, of what happens for their staff. But we talked to Lance after the Combine, so it's a little bit of a different perspective to talk to him after it has all unfolded. We managed to catch him in between Combine workouts and getting off to pro days because that's what the scouting staffs are off to now so it's a busy time of year for them lance was kind enough to sit down with us and give us a little bit of insight into what happens with their staff during the week in indianapolis tim twentyman from detroitlines.com is also going to join me and he and i are going to break down some of the on-field workouts and takeaways from the combine so that part of things will definitely be interesting as well but first up is my conversation with lance newmark
0: Hey, Detroit, don't miss out on any of the excitement when Monster Jam returns to Ford Field for two shows on Saturday, March 9th, and then Sunday, March 10th. Tickets are available now online at Ticketmaster.com or by phone at 800-745-3000.
1: Joining me now on the podcast is Director of Player Personnel, Lance Newmark. Lance, I know it has been a long week in Indianapolis. How are you holding up after the Combine?
2: Uh, It's good to be back. (laughs) Um, It's quick, but uh, it's always good to get back safe and uh, get all our our plans for march and april kind of uh locked in
1: right i mean you guys hit the ground running after this this is you know there's no real break after the combine pro days are ramping up it's it's getting really busy around here so uh just take us through kind of what combine week looked like for you guys we talked with kyle o'brien at the combine if you guys haven't uh listened to that interview you can watch it on detroitlions.com but lance give us your perspective where do you start with combine week how does the week unfold
2: well, it seems to change a little bit every year. Um, I thought this combine was, was uh, very good. Uh, the qu- the quality of players was uh, on the higher end, I think. Um, things went smooth. Um, you know, there was no real uh, hiccups for our from our end of it. Um, it was a great week, really, really productive in terms of uh, the medical evaluations, the interviews with the players at night, our coaches getting their first exposure to the players. Um, the workouts were great. It, it was a very productive week for us.
1: For somebody who isn't uh, kind of on the inside of what Combine Week looks like, when do you guys get there? How long of a week is it? What do your days look like in Indianapolis?
2: Uh, it's, it's a little bit different for everybody in the organization. For us, uh, we got there Monday and stayed through, um, through Monday, so it's a full week. Wow. The early part of the week is more um, meetings and kind of logistics and then it kind of ramps up as the week goes on with the workouts being incorporated into all those meetings. So the days get longer as the week gets longer. So uh, it, it, it really, by the end of it, you're pretty, pretty wiped out. Right, right. <laughs> I
1: mean, I'm wiped out by the end of it. I can't imagine for you guys. So you're watching drills in the morning once those start, but then your day doesn't end when those end because you've got interviews at night, right?
2: Right, right. Once the, once the uh, workouts end, you know, between four or five o'clock, we kind of scramble, get a meal, and then we're interviewing from basically six to eleven. Wow! So, and then the weigh-in start every morning at seven. So it's it's pretty uh, pretty nonstop from you know six thirty till eleven thirty, and then on top of that, you have you know meetings with you know people that agents and uh, people that are looking for work, and there's all sorts of kind of you know things on the periphery. So uh right. it's just a long your mind's going for for a long time there.
1: Yeah, no kidding. Now, you mentioned uh, the coaches meeting these players mm-hmm. for the first time. How are you getting everybody on the same page? How are you getting everybody caught up on what the scouting staff has done all college football season long while the coaches have been focused on getting their players ready to play on Sundays?
2: You know, we've, we prepare for that in the weeks prior to the combine. Once we have the full list, we, we kind of vet it. And we end up talking to essentially every player there with either a coach or a scout so we really, there's very few players that fall through the cracks. We we talk to essentially everybody. We try to um, really focus more on uh, guys that are going to be in play for us. But really, in the, in the end of it, we talk to almost every guy on an individual basis. And we really try to just get to know the players really well by this point.
1: Yeah, I think that's really important to note because I think, uh, you know, I'm over on the media side where the players are coming through and cycling through for interviews. And there are, you know, 20, 30, 50 reporters standing there at a podium asking guys questions. And you will hear a reporter who covers each market say, hey, have you talked to this team? Have you talked to this team? But really, it's that they talk to most every single team when they go to the combine, right?
2: Right. and And every team does things a little bit different. I think there are teams that don't talk to all 330 guys there are teams that maybe focus on 150 we try to get as as high a number as we can there's different levels of interviews I guess you would say where you know some guys are talking to multiple people some guys are talking to you know the highest level executive but we do spend a lot of time with each guy and like I said there's very few players that we don't make contact with and and really try to get to know.
1: Right, due diligence, right? Exactly, exactly. Last year this time, Matt Patricia was just starting his job as head coach of the Detroit Lions. So you guys had a lot to catch him up on uh, and catch up his staff on. But this year, everybody's kind of in place. It's a lot uh, a lot more smooth of a process this time around, I would imagine.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Um, last year was definitely um, on the fly a little bit in terms of incorporating the coaches into it. Um, this year, things are a little more established. Um, it was a very good process. You know, they we, we felt very comfortable with what they were doing and uh, we had a good meeting leading up to the combine with that with the coaching staff and um, when we got there it was very, very smooth operation.
1: When we walk away from combine week we look at it and we say oh, this guy ha- had a really fast 40. This guy bench pressed a ton of weight and we look at it and say this guy stood out from combine week. How do you guys assess combine week? What did you take away from the combine?
2: Well, somebody a long time ago taught me that college scouting the, the best thing about it is everybody does it different and I've always kind of thought about that and, yeah. and admired that because what somebody does in a 40 means means something and it might mean something different to me and that's kind of the cool thing is you it means a lot to somebody and sure. a bench press might mean a lot to somebody and arm length might mean a lot to somebody and then you come together you meet you talk about what you like what you don't and you kind of formulate an opinion as an organization and uh, you know that like I said this was a good combine in terms of quality there was no real uh positions that that were really lacking there's a lot of good players in this draft so um the the the, the content of the week was really good and like I said people take different things away from the from the workouts but it's uh it was a very productive week
1: When you say this was a good combine and Mm -hmm. there's a lot of good players, what does that mean to you? Are you talking about how they performed at the combine or the tape that you've seen them uh, play in from their college football seasons? What does a good combine mean to you?
2: It it means there was a a lot of good workouts, but also going into it, you knew that the positions were deep in terms of there's a lot of guys at position A, there's a lot of guys at position B where sometimes, oh, man, there's just nobody at that group, you know. There wasn't any of those, like, real pitfalls on the list, you know? Mm. Um, it was just a very quality group overall, and there were a ton of really good workouts. It was a it was a good group kind of across the board every day. There were um, really some excellent workouts, like, on the top end, like, historically.
1: Yeah. So I mean, from a spectator point of view, I, I thought the defensive linemen and linebackers were really fun to yeah, watch and, on, on drill day. They were just so fast, such big guys yeah. running so fast.
2: Yeah, it was a pretty impressive uh, day overall.
1: Yeah, definitely. You talk about there being depth at different positions. How does that impact how you guys are approaching the draft when you're able to say, like, okay, this position has a lot of depth here. You know, this position, maybe not quite as much depth. How does the assessment of depth overall affect how you're approaching the draft?
2: Well, it affects how we approach free agency as well because if you know that there's depth in a certain area of the draft, you can maybe afford not to go hard in free agency with a certain group because you know you can address it later um, and vice versa. If you know that it's weak in a certain area, you may have to go harder in free sure. agency. So the two correlate with this time of year. Um, that's really kind of the thought process. And if, and if you don't, uh, you know, if, if you know going into it that, that there's only a few guys at a certain position you really like, you, you really focus on them and you really just kind of let that You know you you know internally that that has to be a priority going into the draft
1: I would imagine that after free agency things shift a lot for you guys Mm -hmm. as far as you know assessing where the needs are exactly after you kind of see how free agency falls out and where guys end up is that right
2: yes absolutely Uh, that like I said the two play really they they play hand in hand and um, we'll know here in a couple weeks you know how things shake out and if you know, if if we need to sh- shift our focus in the draft a different direction based on what happens, but we're really prepared for any, any it, it, the way it falls, and free, it, whatever however it goes, we're prepared for sure. it. So it's just a matter of how things end up.
1: Yeah, you, you talked about how uh, every scout does college scouting differently, mm-hmm. and so a 40 might mean something different to, to each different guy who's evaluating him. So when we, as the media, kind of watch this and say, oh, this guy ran a really fast 40, at this weight like this says so much about him he's shooting up draft boards mm-hmm. now for you guys on the scouting side what does that actually uh do for you when you see a guy have a really great combine workout what does it make you think about that player
2: well it either confirms what you believed or it makes you revisit what it, you never maybe you didn't see that speed on tape you didn't see that kind of explosiveness on tape so it either confirms all that or it makes you revisit it maybe go watch the guy um you know for previous years do additional tape work see if there's um, discrepancies in the reports like some guys may like him some guys may have seen that some guys may have questioned it it just when there's when there's a conflict with what they do there versus what you saw on tape it just makes you revisit it makes you check yourself hey you know what he he did it it's better than what I thought or vice versa you know what I really liked him but he didn't do it so we gotta you know kind of tap the brakes
1: Right. Some of these guys will have really great 40s or really great performances at the combine, but like you said, you don't see it on tape. How do you assess whether a guy's skills in combine drills in shorts and a t shirt is going to translate to how he plays on the field?
2: That's really, that's kind of our job in a nutshell. You know, yeah. that's why we have to be right. Um, a lot of it, I think, is experience, a lot of it is just having that feel, that eye. Some people have it, some people don't. Um, You know, there's been a lot of uh, players drafted specifically on combine workouts that have failed, and there have been guys that have not worked out well that have been drafted specifically on their tape, and they have failed at times, too, so it really is a fine line. Um, I think you have to blend the two and just go with your experience, go with what has worked for you historically, what you believe uh, the player's capable of doing.
1: Right. And that is the challenge for you guys right. as these months go on. What is next for you in this draft process? Uh,
2: now we go into the uh, pro day circuit. So got back last night, leaving tonight. So it's a kind of a 18 crazy, hour crazy turn. Crazy couple you know? days. Yeah. <laughs> crazy
1: couple months, I should right. say.
2: <laughs> like t- we already have, there's a scout right now um, from our staff at Purdue. Purdue's having their workout today. So um, we get right to it. You know, in the next 30 days or so, we won't be. Uh, in Detroit very much. No. <laughs> and um, our guys are going to be um, kind of zigzagging the whole country and just getting workouts and doing interviews and getting to know these players, both um, from a workout perspective and personally, just really trying to get the right people. And uh, and then once we get back in April, we'll kind of uh, circle the wagons, tighten up the board, and get ready.
1: Well, here's one little bit more fun question for you from Indianapolis. We know from visiting the Combine one of the biggest things people love to do is go out to dinner Mm -hmm. after combine evenings i know you guys are really busy in the evenings but what is your favorite spot to visit in indianapolis when you guys go for the combine
2: Ooh, that's tough um i don't want to sound like generic but i really do like st elmo's it's a classic you have to everybody's (laughs) i I know that's disappointing but it's
1: not it's not (laughs) it was like i had like three places in mind that you might mention and of course that's top of the list
2: yeah Dave Sears, our college director, and uh, a couple other guys. We always go there on Sunday night after we finish our last interview. Nice. It's kind of a tradition. So <laughs> It's like a treat. <laughs> yeah, yeah. so that's always something we look forward to.
1: Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Lance, for sharing a little bit with us about Combine Week and the draft process. Best of luck to you guys. I hope it goes smoothly.
2: Thanks, Tori.
0: Great players are made in the offseason. Parents, prepare your child at the Detroit Lions summer football camps. Select from over 25 locations throughout the state, including camps held at Ford Field and at the Lions training facility in Allen Park. Camps are open to boys and girls ages 6 to 14 of all skill levels. Plus, all participants will receive a special Lions preseason ticket offer. Visit
2: DetroitLions.com slash summer camps to learn more.
1: Great stuff there from Lance Newmark. I love hearing from an expert in the field just about what goes on behind the scenes at the Combine and how this draft process unfolds for the Lions. Now, a lot of stuff happened during Combine Week in Indianapolis, so joining me now to break all of that down is Tim Twentyman from DetroitLions.com. Tim, thank you so much for coming on the podcast.
0: Yeah, no problem. It was a fun uh, weekend in uh, in Indy for sure.
1: A very busy one as well. And like I mentioned with Lance, something that stood out to me from the week was the defensive linemen and linebackers just how fast they were on the field, how athletic these huge guys are? What was your biggest takeaway from Combine Week?
0: Well, how many of them, them there are too. Yeah. You know, I mean, you, you normally get some guys, you know, at the top of the class that kind of separate themselves, you know. And obviously, what Montez Sweat did with the, uh, you know, four four one forty at two hundred sixty pounds is amazing. Set the combine <laughs> record. Yeah. For defensive linemen. but I think across the board, I mean, the Rashan Garys, Quinn and Williams, Nick Bosa had. Nice combine. Um, I I think it goes all the way down, probably five, six, seven, eight guys deep. And I think the top half of this draft is going to be dominated by defensive linemen. We kind of thought that going into the combine, but walking away from the combine with how those guys tested and just looked, um, you know, I think if you're in need for a pass rusher this year, uh, Detroit might be. um, You know, (laughs) yeah, this is the draft to to certainly um, you know be looking for a pass rusher because there are a ton of them, and that's going to spill well into. Day two as well.
1: Something that really stuck out from our conversations on the road to the draft combine show that we did—if you guys haven't watched all of those, they're all available to rewatch on DetroitLions.com. We did a show every single day breaking down uh, the news and the and the standout performances from those days. And something that you talked about was how there were several people that kind of uh, helped their draft stock with their combine workouts, and with the Lions having the eighth pick, it could put them in a position where. Guys who have jumped up their draft stock so that maybe some of the guys the Lions are interested in might fall down towards the Lions.
0: Yeah, certainly. You know, you look at a guy like uh, Kyler Murray, you know, some maybe thought, what if he came in 5'9 measurement at the combine? That probably drops him to the teens, maybe even in the 20s. Well, I think him coming in at 5'10, that kind of checked that major box for a lot of teams. Now we're hearing talk about him potentially being the number one pick, probably not going to get by the top five maybe the Giants even, you know, who, who draft ahead of the Lions. So there's a guy that, you know, maybe you didn't think going into the combine would, you know, you know, fit into that top seven well now it looks like he is and then look at a guy like dk metcalf right you know he had a calvin johnson-esque type combine you know coming in at 6'3 227 pounds running 4'3 1.6 body fat and just some of the testing that he did there's comparisons now to that workout from calvin in 2007 so now maybe he's another guy that fits in to the top seven um you know some of the offensive linemen you know obviously tackle is a um Uh, extreme you know need the left tackle especially for teams they really put a value on that a guy like Juwan Taylor from Florida had a terrific combine. now do we talk about him sliding into the top seven so if you look at just those three guys Going into the top seven, now that's going to drop all those pass rushers right, down. You know, right. Maybe a guy like Josh Allen, Rashawn Gary. Yeah. Maybe one of those guys now is going to be sitting there at number eight, where maybe before the combine you didn't think that was a possibility. So you know, I thought it was a terrific combine for the Lions and for teams sitting there at seven, eight, nine, ten, maybe looking for some of those pass rushers that might now fall back to them because of some other guys that maybe put themselves into the conversation in the top seven.
1: Yeah, I definitely think that that is an important takeaway from the Lions you know you look at the the list of guys and you say oh he might not be there at eight he might not be there at eight well maybe he is now. And so it opens up the conversation for for who might be available for the Lions. I think Montez Sweat is going to be a popular uh, mock draft pick to the Lions. I've seen Rashawn Gary since the, the combine happened where before the combine, maybe he wasn't available at eight anymore. Of course, these are all mock drafts, but it certainly does affect how things play out.
0: When you're sitting at a position like number eight, all that you can ask for is the pool of players out of you to grow. And I think think that's what happened. Now you've got more options, you know? And so in that regard, it was a perfect combine because I think coming out of the combine, the pool of players that you can talk about being top seven picks grew, that's a positive for the Lions.
1: Well, I think our, our conversation about defensive linemen is very popular amongst Lions fans. But another conversation we had during the week of the combine was a conversation about tight ends. And that being a possibility for the Lions with the eighth pick, Noah Fant had an incredible workout so fast, uh, and and you can see that speed on tape as well. Uh, but T.J. Hawkinson is certainly a possibility in the first round too.
0: Well, I think with T.J. Hawkinson, you talk about the complete game. Right. And when you watch film on him and you watch how he blocks on the edge, um, there's no comparison between him and Fant in that regard. Right. I think Fant is capable, um, but what T.J. provides – from a, a pass-blocking um, help in the run game perspective, is the best of any tight end in this class. And then he's got the explosive traits in the pass game as well. So I think overall he's still the best tight end available, but it depends on what your scheme is, what your need is. I mean, Noah Fant came in at 6'5", 250 pounds, ran a four five forty. You know, some of the explosion, um, you know, drills and testing a 37 and a half inch, um, vertical, you know, I think that's going to really entice some teams. And if you're looking for, you know, a receiving threat, um, a guy to stretch the field, play the seams, I think Noah Fant maybe closed the gap a little bit, um, between he and TJ Hawkinson though I still believe Hawkinson because of his overall game is the best tight end available but you know we talk about those two guys but you know Irv Smith Jr. from Alabama I thought had a terrific combine as well and then you just look at some of these tight ends I mean there were six tight ends in this class that ran under a 4 740. Wow I mean there were five tight ends that had a 10 foot broad jump And that's a measurement of of explosion. So you you talk about the three guys, Hawkinson, Fant, and Irv Smith, Jr., in the first round, but look, if if you're, let's say, the Detroit Lions, obviously a big need for a tight end position. They have to upgrade that spot. I think they'll do it both in free agency and the draft. If you don't do it at number eight, I think the great thing about this class is day two and even into day three, there's going to be some guys that I think could come in right away and, and impact. Now, that's a real hard position if you go through the history of the NFL and look at rookie tight ends, a lot of guys don't make a big impact because you're learning three spots. It's the the second hardest job on offense to learn besides the quarterback position, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. But... I think they're just from an athletic standpoint and the sheer number of terrific tight ends in this draft, I think if the Lions want to find one in day two, they can find one that can make some impact for them right away. And then if they add in free agency, now I think there's a real potential to upgrade that position this offseason.
1: And Bob Quinn talked about it in his press conference. The tight end position was one of those positions that he felt like has good depth in the middle and the core of this draft. So that's certainly something to keep an eye on when it comes to tight end. Now you mentioned DK Metcalf earlier and how he's gotten Calvin Johnson comparisons with his combine workout, but didn't quite have the same college production there. How do you uh, reconcile what he did on the field in college with how Crazy impressive he tested at the combine.
0: Yeah, that's a tough one because obviously he had, he had, he had AJ Brown there too, who's you know considered a, potentially a, a first round pick. So you know they had to split some there, and that Ole Miss offense was a little dysfunctional if you watched it at all. Just <laughs> scheme wise, it just didn't fit. And I had terrific athletes, terrific players. It just the pieces didn't come together for them for whatever reasons on offense. So I think you have to look at that a little bit when you watch the tape. I think you know the testing, the straight speed, some of that stuff w- was terrific with Metcalf. You know some of the three cone stuff, the quickness, agility isn't there. Now, that's not surprising if you look at his frame. With how big he is. He's a big, strong guy. He's going to be that guy that stretches the field, goes up 50-50 balls. He's not going to be your quick slant, quick twitch kind of guy. That's just not his game. So, it's depending on what you're looking for. I think if you're the Detroit Lions, you're probably looking more for uh, that quick twitch guy, the speed guy, the guy that can potentially play the slot and fill that role that you kind of missed when you traded Golden Tate. Now, you've got... Um, uh, you've got Kenny Galladay, you've got uh, uh, Marv, you know, and both guys that can, you know, make big plays down the field, great 50 50 balls. I think you need that guy in the slot that can, you know, create some separation, um, that can be a run after the catch guy. And when you look at this draft, there are a ton of guys in this draft with that potential. You know, there were seven wide receivers in this draft that ran a sub 4 4 that's terrific. If Bright. you want speed you can find it you know <laughs> and a lot of those guys are slot guys. now let's say you want. You know, size with the DK Metcalf type players. Well, there are 12 wide receivers in this draft class that measure 6'3 or above. So and we talked about tight end being deep and the defensive end position, the defensive line being deep. I think the same thing applies to the wide receiver position. I think there are guys with size. There are guys with speed. You're going to get guys all the way into late day two in the draft that can come in and play right away. I think this is a really, really deep wide receiver core. And when we talk about wide receivers, tight ends, and defensive line all being deep in this draft well that fits the Detroit Lions perfect because those are three (laughs) positions that they really need to boost um, this offseason so it sets up perfect for them in this draft to kind of of really fill some needs really into day two and day three not just with the number eight pick.
1: One last topic we'll touch on I can hear people Driving in their cars or working out listening to this podcast and being like, what about the defensive backs? Why haven't we talked about defensive backs? Because so many Lions fans uh, really like Greedy Williams. That's, That's a very popular request from Lions fans when it comes to the draft. But they didn't quite have impressive workouts on Monday. They
0: didn't you know I was watching you know we leave you know Sunday um, as most people do and, and then I kind of turn on the the NFL Network broadcast and watch the uh, defensive backs on Monday and Deion Sanders and the NFL Network guys you know Daniel Jeremiah and those guys were really down on the workouts on those cornerbacks and if you watch those I've never seen so many guys having to start over on drills mm. or um, just you know, look inconsistent in drills um, and so you know I don't don't know if that's a red flag yeah I mean all these guys are going to go do the same thing at their pro day and maybe they'll look better there you know maybe they'll work on some of the things they didn't do well at the combine but I just don't see this as a stellar cornerback class. You mentioned Greedy Williams, and he tested real well. You know, he's six foot um, three, I think he was one hundred and eighty five pounds. He ran a four three eight, I believe. So he showed that speed. I think the one question mark with him is the tackling. He had thirty three tackles last right. year at LSU, um, and you know he admitted at the combine, look, that's an area I need to improve. But in today's NFL, and I'm not just talking about you know coming up and, and helping in the run game, which is really important for Matt Patricia's defense and you know really all defenses in the league league, you know, for to have a guy that could come and support the run, but what about the quick screens and the bubbles and all the quick passing game now? Um, you need a cornerback that can come up and, and make tackles. It's not just helping the run. I think there's that misconception there. It's all the other quick passing elements and bubble screens and all the stuff that that offenses are doing to get the ball into their playmakers' hands quickly. You need cornerbacks now that can come up and tackle. And in Detroit, like Darius Slay is terrific at that. Nevin Lawson, mm-hmm. you can talk about maybe some of the deficiencies he has in coverage, but that, that kid doesn't mind coming up and sticking his head and making a tackle. You know, I think Tease Tabor is the same way. He doesn't mind contact. You have questions about his coverability as well. Now, certainly when you're looking at cornerbacks, you, you got to have a guy that can cover. But I think in today's NFL, you also have to have a guy that can come up and tackle and support, limit the run after catch. Um, and so those are the question marks that Greedy Williams is going have to have to answer in the pre-draft process.
1: Certainly. Well, there's so much to take away from Combine Week, so thank you, Tim, for helping us break it down a little bit yeah no problem all right guys that wraps up this week's edition of the one pride we will be back next week just before free agency kicks off so i am sure there will be plenty to talk about all right guys thanks so much for listening make sure that you rate review and subscribe to the podcast if you haven't already we'll talk to you next week